anyway. But Christmas Nightmares. Uh, we've been doing this series, Christmas Nightmares, and this is the last week of it. But we've been looking at the birth of Jesus Christ and what Scripture says about that, and then kind of applying our culture to it. And looking at it from our perspective, because when you do that, whenever um, you do look at it from our perspective, you see and you learn that this is a nightmare situation. Um, It's not a good situation at all. It's not any kind of situation that any of us would want to be in. Um, And tonight, I titled the message, Breaking a Good Thing. Right? Um. Let's pray, and then we're going to jump in. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come to you. Thank you for this night. Thank you for um, everything you've given us, God. Thank you for uh, sending Jesus Christ and, you know, the true meaning of Christmas. And God, I pray that we'd remember that this year, uh, this Christmas. And and God, I pray that you would just speak to us tonight um, and minister to our hearts. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. All right. So the other day something happened. Um, so we've had Carson or Emerson now for about um, almost 13 months. Tomorrow will be 13 months. We've had that sweet, precious um, little demon child. And the other day it finally happened. Like everything's been good. Everything's been perfect. Carson gets along with her. Carson loves her. And Carson still loves her. But something happened the other day that signified that the honeymoon's over, right? The, the true sibling love is there and it's there to stay. So Carson's playing with something on the couch and Emerson's gotten into this mode to where, you know, she can crawl around now. She's gotten to where she can maneuver herself around the house a little bit better. And she likes to play with Carson's toys. So the other day Carson was playing with something and he was just sitting on the couch minding his own business. And Emerson goes up to the couch, pulls herself up and starts grabbing at the thing that he was playing with. And Carson said this to help me to realize that we are no longer in You know, cute baby girl phase. I love my little sister. Carson said this. Emerson, get away from me. (laughs) It happened. It finally happened. Right? So, I mean, all this time, you know, everything's been good. There's been not really any arguments outside of Emerson screaming at Carson sometimes, but she doesn't understand. And Carson finally had it. He was done with it. And he said, Emerson, get away from me now. I'm tired of you. Right? And, of course, she's one, so she continued to grab at whatever he was playing with. But here's the point. Um... In this story, what we're going to wrap up, we we learn about King Herod. What does King Herod do? Does anybody know what King Herod does? Raise your hand. What does he do? He kills all the babies, right? King Herod's crazy, psycho guy, Um, power hungry. Um, and, And we see this story of these wise men, and they're approaching Jesus. And it's important for us to understand that um, all these plays that we go to, all these manger scenes that we see in people's yards, um, those are all lies, okay? People are lying to you. Our churches are lying to you. Um, You shouldn't listen to them. Not really. I'm kidding. But that's not really true. That's not how it played out. Because whenever you read in Matthew chapter 2, and and we're not going to read starting in verse 1, but I want to point this out. It says, now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod, 
It says, where, he, where, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled. And all Jerusalem with him, gathering together all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. They said to him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for this is what uh, has been written by the prophets. And you, Bethlehem, land, land of Judah, and by no means least among the leaders of Judah, for out of you shall come forth a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod secretly called the Magi and determined from them the exact time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child, and when you have found him, report to me, so that I too may come and worship him. After hearing the king, they went their way, and the star which they had seen in the east went on before them until it came and stood over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. After coming into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they, and, and they fell to the ground and worshipped him. All right, so get this. Get that? Like they didn't go to the manger. They didn't go to this big field where there's a bunch of cattle. They went to the house. That's because Jesus was actually about one year old whenever the three wise men came. All right, so that's important for us to understand here because we see at this point in the, in the story that Satan is trying to break up a very good thing. Satan, Mary and Joseph, man, they were in the clear. They were all good, right? They had gone through this whole thing of people believing that, you know, they had gotten pregnant outside of marriage and, and all, everything was good. And then all of a sudden, Satan tries to destroy this thing. So number one, number one, number one, I want you to understand this. Stumbling blocks occur when things are good. How many of you know that? How many of you have ever had something going good in your life? And the minute that things are going good, the minute that you've got things figured out, something just falls apart in your life. Like this, you know, that you, you come upon this week and it's the greatest week of your life. You finally get this math exam. You finally pick up what your English teacher's saying. Um, the boy that you like finally starts liking you back. Um, everything's working out perfect. And then something at home just crashes and burns, right? Like that happens to us all and that's normal because we as Christians can expect stumbling blocks to occur when things are good. But I want you to notice one thing that we can look overlook very easily in this text. In verse 7 it says, Then Herod secretly called the Magi and determined from them the exact time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child and when you have found him, report to me, so that I too may come and worship him. How many of you believe that Herod actually wanted to go see Jesus and he wanted to worship Jesus? Y'all think that? No. See, and the key word there is secretly. You see, this is an automatic sign of something that's gone wrong, right? I mean, this is a sign in your own life. Okay, is this good or bad? 
like, should I do this or should I not do this? Okay, um, if you're stuck in a scenario, um, you're at a party and you're offered something to drink, I want you to ask yourself this question. Uh, would I be comfortable going to Ken? Would I be comfortable going to Pastor Chris? Would I be ca- comfortable going to my mom and my dad and saying, yeah, I did this. I drank this drink. Or would you be tempted to keep it a secret? See, like, this isn't the, like rocket science, man. It's not rocket science. If you are tempted to keep it a secret, most likely it's something bad for you in your life. Now, that's something totally different than giving in to the temptation than, than sinning and, and going to you know, your parents or your pastor or whoever and saying, hey, I'm struggling with this. I need help, right? Like, yeah, we have those things, but if you experience this thing in your life and whatever it is, maybe it's a relationship, maybe it's um, you know, how you study and, and how you take your test, maybe it's um, how you talk to your parents and, and the, the things that you tell your parents, um, whether it's lying or not, maybe it's gossip or not. If you're inclined to keep it a secret from some people, most likely it's not a godly thing. See, and that's important for us to understand because we see the three wise men here and their, their motives are great, Right? Their motives are great. They're, they're wanting to go and see Jesus. They're going to bring gifts to Jesus. And they said, we're going to worship Jesus. We're going to worship the Lord and Savior. Um, and then Herod hears of it. And we see Herod's main problem in verse 3, where it says, uh, when Herod the king heard this, he was troubled. You see, Herod the king had a pride problem. Herod the king, he didn't like the idea of some baby Jesus getting more attention than him. Some baby Jesus getting praise and worship from other people because he wanted it all. He had a pride problem. You see, when we have prideful hearts and we surround ourselves with prideful people, we're guaranteed to struggle. You're guaranteed to have these stumbling blocks. Like how many of your, you have friends at school that are a stumbling block to you? Every time you get this thing figured out, every time you get this struggle figured out, you've prayed about it and you've come to church and, and, and you're living for God, you're doing things the right way, but then you've always got that one friend that's tugging at you and pulling at you and trying to, to do things that completely go against God's word. Right? You've got that friend. That friend is this person. That friend is King Herod. You see, he's got prideful motives. Look at this. It's imperative that we have friends with godly motives. Proverbs 17, 17 says this. A friend is always loyal, and a brother is born to help in the time of need. Right? Like, how do I know that... That Ken is my friend because Ken's loyal to me. I know that if I'm in a time of need, if I need something, I can go to Ken and Ken's going to support me. I know I've got a godly friend in Ken, right? But if Ken was that person that, um, you know, it always kind of felt like he was lying to me and he's always talking about me and, and, you know, maybe he says, yeah, I'll help you out with that. And then he leaves me hanging Ken's probably not the best friend for me, right? 
It's important for you to have godly friends with godly motives because they're going to strengthen you. They're going to they're going to lift you up whenever whenever times get tough and they're going to be there for you when times are good. John 15, 15 uh, gives us a perfect example. And that example is Jesus. Look at this. Let me read it. No longer do I call you slaves for the slave does not know what his master is doing. But I've called you friends for all things that I have heard from my Father, I have made known to you. Friends are open with each other. Friends, true godly friends, friends with godly motives are honest with each other. They don't hold anything back. And it's important that you have godly friends before you end up in a situation like the three wise men here. So we see that stumbling blocks, they occur when things are good. But then uh, secondly, we see that evil occurs when things are good. Look at this, and we're going to skip over to the middle portion of this and, and look at verse 16. Evil occurs when things are good. It says, Then when Herod saw that he had been tricked by the Magi, he became very enraged and sent and slew all the male children. Okay? And he sent and killed all the male children, all the boy children who were in, Bethle- in Bethlehem and it, all its vicinity. From two years old and under, according to the time which he had determined from the Magi. Listen. Evil. Evil occurs when things are good. Sometimes um, things don't work out like you feel like they should. I mean, just like this story, God had a plan, and his plan was to bring grace. His plan was to provide grace and provide mercy for all of humanity, and that grace and mercy was going to come in the form of this baby boy. But because one jealous king, one prideful king that wanted all the glory, that wanted all the attention, that wanted all the praise, because his motives were bad, he tried to destroy everything that God had created. You see, his motives were evil. Um, everything, again, everything has seemed perfect up to this point, right? Mary and Joseph, everything's great, everything's going perfect. Then they find out that this king wants to kill their baby. I mean, imagine how that feels. Imagine what that feels like for Mary and Joseph. Like, the moment, get this, listen, listen, guys. The moment that you let your guard down, the moment that you think, okay, I'm good, I'm clear, I don't have to worry about any kind of things, I've got this temptation figured out, Um, everything's perfect. I'm good. I'm strong enough to handle this temptation. I'm strong enough to do this. My prayer life is on point, so I don't have to do that all the time. I'm going to let my guard down. The moment that you do that, the moment that you put your guard down, is the moment that you open the door for evil. It's the moment that you open the door for Satan to come in because that's how he works. He waits for your moment. He waits for the moment that you feel like everything's good and, and then he throws something at you that you would perceive uh, as evil. Okay, so, so I haven't told you guys this um, yet because of this point, but, but a perfect example, it's Christmas, right? Everything's supposed to be perfect. Everything's supposed to be um, happy. Everything's supposed to be great. Well, um, 
you know, Ken has to have surgery. Ken's having open heart surgery tomorrow, tomorrow morning. Think about that. Think about that kind of news. I can't imagine, uh, you know, what it feels like. I've, I've talked to Ken, and I feel like Ken's in a good place, right? I, th- I think Ken's ready to just kind of get this thing over with, get this thing cleaned up so he can, you know, get back to his normal lifestyle, right? Um, but think about how that feels going into Christmas and thinking, okay, we got Christmas. This is going to be exciting. We're going to get to open gifts, um, And then suddenly the week before Christmas, you find out you're going to spend Christmas likely in a hospital. Like, that's tough. That's tough. That feels like Satan's trying to get after Ken. That feels like Satan's trying to tear something apart that's good. But in a minute, I'm going to share with you how that isn't because God's going to get glory from that thing. But, But sometimes whenever things are good, whenever things are perfect, things come into our lives, maybe... um, you know, money problems, maybe it's relationship problems, maybe it's school problems, maybe it's home problems with your parents. Um, there's all sorts of things that are thrown your way on a daily basis, and you don't understand why, um, and, and I'm going to tell you why. It's those stumbling blocks in your life. It's those things that's trying to trip you up, but if you handle them the right way, God will strengthen you, and God will use you through those stumbling blocks. You see, a lot of you may be going through a lot of things this Christmas, right? Like you're going through things maybe you haven't told me about. Maybe you're going through things that you haven't told your parents about because, you know, it kind of hurts you to talk about it. Listen, but in the middle of this text, in the middle of all this evil, right, all this junk, this lying, that Herod did, the, the evil act of killing two-year-old babies, <laughs> right? In the midst of all that, we find so much encouragement. Listen to this in verse 10. It says, when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. After coming into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell to the ground and worshiped him. Then opening their treasures, they presented to him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned by God in a dream not to return to Herod, the Magi left for their own country by another way. Now when they, had, uh, when they had gone, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Get up, take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt and remain there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to destroy him. Let's keep going. So Joseph got up and took the child and his mother while it was still night and left for Egypt. So that night, and Joseph got up that minute and he said, okay, this is a bad situation in my life. Everything's going good. This, this thing has happened in my life and it seems evil. It seems bad. It seems like it's of Satan. And God approaches him and he hears God and he says, I'm going to take action now. Get this. He remained there until the death of Herod. This was to fulfill what had been spoken by the Lord through the prophet out of Egypt, I called my son. Listen. So stumbling blocks occur when things are good. Evil 
occurs when things are good. But in the middle of those things, in the middle of those stressful things, we find that Jesus occurs when things are good. I mean, get this. I have this written down in my Bible next to these verses. It says, they went to the house, fell to the ground, and worshipped him. And then later on it said, the Magi left for their own country by another way. They went and, and they were following Herod's orders. But remember, Herod had lied to them. Herod had said, listen, I want you to find him so I can go worshipping. But that wasn't his true intent, remember? You see, but they got there and they saw Jesus and suddenly there was clarity and God spoke to them. Look, I wrote this in my Bible. It says, encountering Jesus always redirects your path. Listen to me. Look for Jesus, right? Like, like, like let's make this personal. Um, um, Ken, look for Jesus in that surgery and you will find hope. You will find reason for your circumstances. Whoever it is that's struggling in a class, look for Jesus in that text. Look for Jesus in, in that study time. Look for Jesus in that classroom. And I promise you that you will find hope and you will find reason for that situation. If you're struggling at home with your parents, look for Jesus in that struggle. Look for Jesus in that relationship. And I guarantee you, Jesus will help you to see this is why this is happening. This is how I'm going to strengthen you through it. And this is what I'm going to produce with it. Because you've got to remember, this Christmas, I've got a, someone that, that I love very, very dearly. You know, I grew up, and they were kind of my Sunday school teachers, and, um, and she posted, her, her mother passed away earlier this year, and she was posting and talking about memories and how this was difficult, right? Like, she's having a hard time this Christmas season, and, and my encouragement for her was, was to enjoy those memories, enjoy those moments, and look for Jesus in that, because I promise you, just like these magi, they went and they found Jesus. They encountered Jesus and Jesus changed their lives. If you look for Jesus in all the bad moments in your life, you're going to find out that those moments aren't that bad. Those moments are strengthening you. Those moments are encouraging you. Those moments are creating you into the godly woman or the godly man that God wants you to be. But remember, you can't let your guard down. You've got to stay strong. You've got to keep looking to Jesus. You've got to follow Jesus. Like this Christmas. Remember, that's the reason. Jesus Christ. It's not because you want a new car for Christmas. Or because you want a new PlayStation or, or an Xbox. Or because you want some new shoes or you want a new jacket or, you know, whatever. All that stuff's fine. That, that stuff's fun. I love presents. Listen, I love presents more than anybody. I've been begging Brandy all week <laughs> to let me open presents, and she won't let me. Everyone boo Brandy right now. Boo her. She's right there. Everybody turn around and boo her. Oh, come on. Nobody? Nobody. Thank you. I got one friend. 
Listen. Listen. Look to Jesus. Look for Jesus. All right? No matter what's going on in your life, if you look for Jesus, you're going to find out it's okay. Let's close in prayer. Everybody lock up. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you once again, God. Thank you for this message, God. I pray that you'd help us to apply it to our, to our lives. God, I pray that, you know, maybe some of us are having a hard time this Christmas and um, in some sort of circumstances. God, I pray, Lord, that you would just give that person strength and, and lift that person up and help them to, um, you know, search for you in that, that situation and, and that, you know, they'd be encouraged by it. And God, I pray that we wouldn't forget the reason for Christmas and what it's all about. And, you know, take advantage of the time and, and spend some time with our families and, you know, kind of love on each other and, um, and, and just be thankful for all that you've given us. And God, it's in your name we pray. Amen.